0: Together, we're going to dive deep into raw and honest conversations with real people. My hope is that through these stories, you too will be inspired and ready to tackle whatever's holding you back or breaking your heart. Then you'll be free to live a life of purpose and true fulfillment. I promise it's possible. Let's Relevate. Hey, friends, welcome to the Relevate Podcast. We are switching it up this episode with a true hero story straight from my town of Alpharetta, Georgia. This conversation is about two heroes, actually. The dynamic duo of Sergeant Mark Tappan of the Alpharetta Police Department and his canine partner Mattis you can check them out on A&E's fantastic new series, America's Top Dog, a ninja warrior style competition for top canine cops and civilian dogs and their handlers as they compete nose to nose on the ultimate canine obstacle course. Tappan and Mattis are featured on episode four of America's Top Dog, and hopefully they'll also be in the finale, which airs March 18th on A&E. and e Preparing for this interview, Tap and ask if I wanted Mattis there. Uh, yes, Sergeant. It was my first time to be in the presence of a police canine, and I wasn't sure what to expect. I knew he was a very large and intimidating-looking black German shepherd with a titanium tooth. What I didn't know is that Mattis is an absolute sweetheart and that we would be fast friends before the recording of the episode was even over. There is so much jam-packed in this episode about faith, the role canines can serve in bridge-building between police departments and civilians, Mattis' heroics and near-death experience, and the dynamic duo's time on America's Top Dog. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Sergeant Tappan and Mattis welcome to the Relevate podcast.
1: Well thanks so much for having us.
0: Well I just appreciate you taking time out of your busy busy schedule as a law enforcement officer and leader of the canine unit here in Alpharetta. That's very cool.
1: Well thank you. I'm a little broken right now anyway so I'm on the shelf. I got a torn ACL that I'm recovering from so they don't want me doing much.
0: Well, that stinks. <laughs> well, I am sorry to hear that. So, if we can start, if you can just tell me a little bit about yourself. I think I sure. heard you say you were a, a pastor at one point or a minister. Yeah. That's cool. Well,
1: it depends on how deep you want to dive into my, my past, but I grew up in Louisiana. And what part? In Mandeville, Louisiana, if you're familiar with that. It's on the north shore of Lake Pontchartrain, mm-hmm. So, just north of New Orleans. You don't have wherever.
0: that accent at I know. all.
1: Well,. Did you my, used to? No, I never did. I never. I don't think I ever did. Mm-hmm. There's sometimes when I get around people who kind of talk with a New Orleans accent, mm-hmm. I might say some things, but I don't think I speak too much. No, like I the wouldn't pick up on that at all. Yeah. Um. Actually, I was born in Tennessee, so I have a Tennessee New Orleans mix, and uh, a lot of people say that I don't have an accent. But anyway, I grew up there. Uh, I was uh, my dreams for life. It's kind of relevant to what we're we're talking about is I wanted to be a game show host. Yeah, wow, I wanted to be a game, a game show host, but uh that's, wasn't that's that awesome. studious and didn't have a lot of self-discipline. I lacked a lot of
0: Why why a game show host?
1: I don't know. I don't <clears throat> I I guess I I don't know. I, I liked attention I like to have fun. Yeah, so those types of things, but uh, I think I wanted to take the easy road too and not that being a game show to any game show host out there, listen to your podcast. <laughs> Not that it's easy to be a game show host. I realize that it's like less than oh. 1% of the population get to do, so that's a very high level. Oh, yeah. Um, but I very I, I didn't have high expectations of myself. I didn't have any discipline and kind of was wandering through life like a rudderless ship, I tell people, mm-hmm. uh, in college, and I was failing out. And the only thing that actually was keeping me above water was the fact that I was taking lots of PE courses. So mm-hmm. in two semesters, I had taken tennis, Aikido, and... Bowling, and I think running in two semester, And that's the only reason that I wasn't just flat out failing wow. college. So I realized in my life that I needed to get some, some actual self-responsibility, some discipline. I needed to mature a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there's a person that I admire a lot in my life, uh, my uncle, and he's a former Marine. And he is one of the most generous, hardworking mm-hmm. men of character that I had ever been around. And he attributed a lot of that to the Marine Corps. Sure. And so without telling my parents or doing anything else, I just... I signed up for the Marine Corps because I mm-hmm. knew it was something I needed. Mm-hmm. And it kind of it started a journey in my life that brought me to where I am. So that's where you're getting yeah. the long version right now. But I actually got saved when mm-hmm. I was in the Marine Corps, which was cool. Um, I grew up in the South and in a place where everyone goes to church. You know, uh-huh. what happened was when I was in the Marine Corps, a lot of my hypocrisy of what I said I believed and mm-hmm. what I did was exposed. Mattis. <laughs> Mattis.
0: He's good. Um, he got drool all there. over you. <laughs> <laughs> my big trained
1: attack dog is cuddling right now. I'm getting... I love it. Um, I love it, too. Yeah. But anyway, a lot of my hypocrisy was exposed when I was in the Marine Corps, so um, I actually gave my life to Jesus. and Sweet. Yeah, I think so. While you were in the While I was Marines. in the Marine Corps. And through that, I got involved in a church. hmm and I was about to get out of the Marine Corps and really considering what I wanted to do. I want to go to Bible college or mm-hmm. just different options, and my original intent when I went to the Marine Corps was not only to give me the self-discipline but give me some life skills so I could go into law enforcement because I've always had a, a strong sense of justice. Mm-hmm. I like fairness. Yes. I love our, our country. Mm-hmm. I love our Constitution. I'm not really an altruist, And I like the fact that I can stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves. So that's why I went to the Marine Corps and I was hoping to turn that into a law enforcement career. Mm -hmm. But like I said, I got saved, started volunteering in a church and a youth group, and that kind of turned into why don't you come work at the church when you get out and as an intern and I started working as an intern intern grew into junior high pastor junior high pastor turned into high school pastor high school pastor turned into student ministries director Mm -hmm. and so for 10 years of my life I did that and I say it was really if you look back on my life and just see kind of all the puzzle pieces Mm -hmm. it was good because I lacked I wouldn't have been ready for police work coming right out Mm -hmm. of the Marine Corps I think I was too immature still and Mattis come here Uh uh-uh he wants attention. Sorry.
0: We're we're friends now.
1: Yes, you are. <laughs> uh, so I, I grew a lot being a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it taught me a lot about people and their issues, and gave me communication skills that I mm-hmm. needed. I think to be a police officer and the maturity that I lacked. So that brought me into. We went through some struggles as a church, and there was a church split and mm. a lot of pain and yeah. things that happened. And I, I said, <laughs> maybe this is the time that I'm I'm I get back into law enforcement and. My sister lived in the Atlanta area, Mm. and she said you should put in for Alpharetta, so it was the only place I put in for and I got hired. Here I am.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. So with with, uh, being a Marine and pastor experience, that got you that interview.
1: Yep. I think it prepared me perfectly, too. Like, a lot of people say, well, it's a big jump going from pastor to to law enforcement, but Mm -hmm. I really don't think it is. And my compassion actually grew as a law enforcement officer, because a lot of times when you're in the church, uh, everyone is saved and puts on the face of everything's mm-hmm. perfect mm-hmm. and everything else. Oh, yeah. And then when you come into police work, you see everyone is broken, and there's tons of uh, opportunity just to, to shine yeah. in in that atmosphere because people are a lot more, you're catching them at very real points of their life. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, and a lot of that, I, I think, is fear. And to have someone respond who is, who is compassionate of their situation, I think it's just so important. Yeah. So, good I hope job. So. I mean, I think we have a top notch police force around here. and uh, I agree. Yeah. So, did you have dogs growing up?
1: I did. I had, my dad used to field train labs growing up. So, oh, I that's was always cool. around working dogs mm-hmm. that were extremely intelligent.
0: Like bird dogs, he'd, he'd train them to yep. hunt. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, because he loved to hunt. Mm-hmm. And then I had my own dog, uh, who my my dad used to say who trained dogs and was really good at training dogs. He used to say the dog that I had, which was a uh, it was a Spitz, and his oh, name yeah. was Sylvester. And he said he thought it had some mental issues because he <laughs> couldn't train it to do anything, and that was the the dog would only it's listen. Kind of, to they're me.
0: kind of white and fluffy, aren't they?
1: They're yeah, they're white and fluffy, <laughs> and he had an attitude, like he was tiny. <laughs> But y'all
0: were y'all were bros. We
1: were. Yeah. That was that was my buddy.
0: That is awesome. That is awesome. So when you landed here in Alpharetta, Mm -hmm. I guess it took you a while to find your way to the K9 unit. If you can just kind of help us understand what that trajectory looked like.
1: Yeah. So got into police work and I absolutely loved it. The first thing I started doing probably about a year and a half into my career was I went into SWAT. And so I did SWAT for about five and a half, six years. And Mm -hmm. Loved it because I, I just, I, I like being on the on the cutting edge. I like being on the front line and uh, was doing that. But I realized something. We do a lot of public demonstrations being on SWAT. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. And we'd set up these awesome displays with mm-hmm. all of our gear, like body armor, guns, and you know, less lethal options, mm-hmm. and robots, and just amazing capabilities that we have as a police force mm-hmm. that you'd see is wow, I can't believe that we can do this. And then the canine guy would pull up with him and his dog.
0: Oh, yeah. And
1: everyone would flock to the canine unit. Mm -hmm. And it's not like a jealousy thing, but I realized what an amazing bridge that was Mm -hmm. between the community. Mm -hmm. Because people see a dog, and automatically they can relate to you. Sure. Where I think with the uniform and the things that we do, and maybe society and media, I don't know, Mm -hmm. but there's a barrier between police officers and people a lot mm-hmm. of times. And so without a dog, people won't talk to you. But you, you put a dog into the equation, and it creates a bridge. And I love that. And so I started thinking, I already love dogs, and I was fascinated by the capabilities that they had and how mm-hmm. they could help out in police work. Uh, their olfactory systems, the way their nose works is incredible. But that extra bridge was something that I said, that's something that we should be able to take advantage of, and we should really try to put an emphasis on. And so dogs don't become available often because if you're in the unit, you're kind of mm-hmm. grandfathered in and you get the right of first refusal. If a dog retires mm-hmm. or a spot opens up, you get the chance to have that dog. Wow. But, so
0: how big, just for perspective, yep. how big is our city and how many canines do we have? Well, we have course. about
1: 110 sworn officers. Mm-hmm. We have five canine teams right now. We have five what we call dual purpose narcotics dogs. Mm-hmm. Tech narcotics obviously they do tracking article search apprehension and protection and then we have one kind of single purpose uh cute little raider who's a 35 pound lab (laughs) i say kind of single purpose because phil's put a lot of time into her and she also does tracking now as well so that's pretty cool yeah but not the apprehension Mm -hmm. and protection because she's too small and cute
0: she is so small and cute i saw her at the dillard's New Year's Day shoe sale, too.
1: Oh, very nice. Yeah, she likes shoes. So she was
0: keeping those ladies.
1: <laughs> That's right. Keeping
0: those people in line. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, sorry. So we were just talking about your transition to. Yeah, and K-9. so
1: a spot opened up on K9, which doesn't happen often. And I had been at the department for, I think, about six years and been on SWAT for a long time and loved it. But like I said, I saw this opportunity. I remember talking to my dad mm-hmm. who field trained labs, and he said, Well, you're not getting any younger. <laughs> and it would be Thanks, nice Dad. yeah right <laughs> it's like it'd be nice <laughs> if someone else could do the running for you and i'm like that's a great point <laughs> it's true so anyway i put in for it and end up getting the spot
0: nice so i w- i would think the two roles that you've served in swat and now k9 there's a lot of physicality to that
1: yes and it's you you
0: have to really work on staying shape right
1: definitely yep i do especially especially get- to keep up with this guy oh my <laughs> well if you- <laughs> i know we'll get to the show a the hardest part of the show was trying to keep up with him.
0: Well, I think you did a good job. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, he's quite the athlete. Okay, so you so you switched and you went to work in the canine unit. Did you get a dog that somebody else had? Or? I did.
1: Uh, his name was Nico, and at the time I got him, Nico, I, I believe was probably three years old, and he was a German Shepherd like mm-hmm. Mattis, but mm-hmm. not quite the size of Mattis. We developed a great bond, love that dog. He actually ended up uh, going blind in his left eye, so mm-hmm. it made it unsafe for him to continue as a police dog, so he retired when he was about six and a half years old.
0: Wow, wow. So is that hard for a dog to, because I guess, did he go from that officer's family to your family?
1: He did, yeah. It's a lot of transition. Yeah. It really is uh nico did well and shepherds as typical they they're super loyal dogs so they Mm -hmm. build a bond Mm -hmm. and so it makes it a little bit harder when they leave one family and go to another family that's why we try to like i said with the unit is you get the right to keep the dog or get the next dog you stay in canine for a long time typically because of that bond
0: oh yeah i can see it wife and kids came along at some point
1: yeah They were already there when I was in K-9.
0: Okay. And and, because, I mean, it's like you add another member to the family.
1: Oh, for sure. When you have a K-9 in
0: the family. Let's talk a little bit about what that looks like. Because I've seen some pictures of Mattis with your daughter, and it's just impossibly cute. Oh,
1: well, thank you. Well, it's really, it's a training philosophy that I have. And it's some police departments, and they do it to success. But they have they have the expectancy that a dog is just a tool. And so the dog goes Mm -hmm. to work, Mm -hmm. he's in the back of the car, gets out for work-related items and uses the restroom for breaks and whatever, goes home, gets put in a kennel, and the only interaction Mm -hmm. ever has is just as a work tool. Uh, I have seen in the sport world that there's a lot of these amazing dogs that can do all the odor work, they can do the protection work, they can do the tracking work, they can do everything, but they're brought into families and they act as a member of the family as well and they're still proficient at the jobs that they do. Mm -hmm. Especially going back to the whole way that I saw canine is at least one third of our job is community relations because it creates that bridge. Mm -hmm. So why not have dogs that can interact with people? And so if you want to do that, it takes a lot more training and it means socializing the the dogs to be able to do it. So First, we try to pick dogs that are happy, social, and confident. We bring mm-hmm. them into the house with those attributes. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I look for in a working dog. Happy, mm-hmm. social, confident. Not doing it out of fear. Mm-hmm. It's not a mean streak. It's they're confident about who they are. They know their role, uh, that they're their protector, and they're good with it. Mm-hmm. And then- so
0: are they trained at that point when you're looking for those qualities, or is it a process when they're like puppies? and?
1: Well, it's... It's kind of a both. I'm looking for the happy social confident is a God-given type Mm -hmm. thing that I'm looking for. And actually, when I go and test dogs, I'm trying to see what instinctual type things Mm -hmm. they already have programmed into them. Not necessarily what training they have on them. Right. Because training can be deceptive. But the God-given qualities, those will tell you the type of dog that you want. Mm -hmm. And so, like with him, I actually didn't want a dog that was quite as big as him, but he was so good I couldn't pass him up. Uh He was one that he, he was super happy. He was so social confident like he had all these things that yeah. were going for him And i was like that's the dog that i i want
0: so how old was he when you first saw him
1: two he was okay. two years old yep and he just blew my socks off with all the tests that i put him through oh uh. So, but going back to the family thing Mm -hmm. is I knew that if we wanted to have those dogs that were approachable, that we could use them as a bridge with the community, that we had to be sure that we introduce them to families, kids, Mm -hmm. any social, large crowds, whatever we possibly can so that people can interact with our dogs.
0: That's very cool. Yeah. yeah, so I did leadership for scythe and they did the the demonstration with the dogs. Uh-huh. And I mean, I was I think their dogs are not approachable. Right, I was like, they just didn't seem to be socialized like this. So, yeah, and, and different so different philosophy. The argument
1: against it is that he's not going to be proficient in his job. Mm-hmm. But Mattis actually has more apprehensions than any dog combined in the city of Alpharetta ever. Wow. so if you take all the bites that mm-hmm. dogs have had and the reason is is not because i'm just out there looking to bite people all the time but i can take him anywhere mm-hmm. and so a lot of mm-hmm. those dogs that aren't very right. social you yeah. can't take into large crowds mm-hmm. or you can't take into certain calls because they could just go off at any time right it's i tell people it's like having a taser that could just explode at mm-hmm. any moment and taste someone around you yeah i don't want that i want a, i want a stable level-headed dog that i can take into any situation and it might be Kids are hanging on him one second, then I say a word and he has to go apprehend a really bad guy.
0: And he can just make that switch seamlessly. That's super cool. Yeah, I've seen a picture of him in a pink tutu.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Courtesy of your daughter. Yeah, he will do anything for that toy. So he tolerates a lot of the stuff that I put him through.
0: And he's he's like a TikTok video famous. Yeah, dude. that was
1: kind of by mistake. <laughs> TikTok's fun.
0: <laughs> so fun, yeah. So one thing I loved in, in watching you on the show was just the love you have for this dog. I mean, not only were y'all magnificent together, but that just came through. And I'm a dog person, and um, my sister says we have. You know, when you watch the Westminster Dog Show, we have, like, the worthless (laughs) breed. So I've had had a poodle. I've had a Bichon. I've had a Maltese. I have a golden doodle doodle now. But they are my heart. I mean, I love them so much. So I can't imagine to take that type of relationship that most people have, dog, dog owner, and then add this layer to it where you're literally – partners and you're dependent on each other for survival at times. I mean, how, yeah. how do you even describe what that's like?
1: It's really hard. I, it's really hard. You, like you said, the bond between a person and their pet is huge, but then he is with me every day, 24 seven, more than any person on the planet. Uh, he, he listens to all my whines and gripes when I'm driving sure. around, When when is usually I have all my whines and gripes is when I'm in the car. <laughs> So and you he, talk to him? Right. Oh, I talk to him all the time. Mm. I, I miss him when he's not there. Like if, if he has to go get a bath or something and he's not in the car, uh, it's not the same. I, I don't like going to work without him. So he really is my best friend. And then you add in the fact, like you said, that he's a, a partner mm-hmm. and he has done incredibly heroic things that have gotten him hurt even yeah. because I asked him to. Because mm-hmm. that, that's the kind of partner he is. Um, it's incredible. And I would do the same for him. And I have done the same for him, and he's done it for me. And it's just an inexplicable bond. It's the best job in the world. They let me play with a dog for a living, and I don't ever want to stop doing it.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about that, because he is decorated. Yeah. He has a, a purple heart and a titanium tooth, right? Yeah, the
1: titanium <laughs> tooth was just, uh, it was a training accident. And it kind of speaks to how smart he is. Uh, he, ch- he chipped it the first week of training. And they said, oh, we'll replace the dog. I was like, no way. That dog is amazing. Yeah. Let's replace the tooth. So that's what they did. But it also meant that he wouldn't be able to train with the other dogs during the week. I was taking him home on the weekends. And so that's the only time I could work with him on odor work because he couldn't get rewarded because they didn't want him like biting a ball like he's doing right now because it could hurt the tooth more and it hadn't Uh set in place. Uh So because of that... I did all of his odor training, and when we got to the end of the class, they do a certification, mm-hmm. he was the only one that passed on the first. And it's not saying I'm a great trainer. It's how quick this dog's learning curve is and just how driven and amazing he is. So that's mm-hmm. the titanium tooth. The uh, It the makes them one, look
0: the... very tough, though. What's that? It makes them look very tough. Right? Too, you <laughs> see that whole...
1: People say I, <laughs> I should <laughs> add some more bling to it, like put a, <laughs> a diamond on it or something like that. But, Anyway, Madness. yeah, but the Purple Heart was, uh, it's an interesting story because it's something that I feel like I didn't, I, I, I didn't mess up, but I don't, I, I feel responsible for what mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. and he did an amazing job through it all. And so what it was, was we were driving and some guys took off on us. It turned out they had robbed several people, uh, which we found out on the backside, but when they bailed out of a car, I kind of knew the area and knew where they were going and I cut him off with Mattis and I hit my door popper which flings his door mm-hmm. open and it tells him that, hey, right now you just run beside me. And so that's what he was doing was he was running beside me and the guy was running straight at us. We would cut off his, his route of escape. Mattis, oof. And so he saw us and he jumped over this retaining wall. And I thought the retaining wall, because I had been back in this area mm-hmm. before, there were, at places it's only about 10 feet high. When I started to jump, I saw that the guy was still falling, so oh it was gosh. higher than 10 feet, and I instinctually grabbed back and grabbed on so that I mm-hmm. didn't fall. but out of the corner of my eye, I saw Mattis falling through the air just mm-hmm. frozen in time, I can I recall like his paw position, his ears, his eyes as he was falling, and my heart just stopped uh, I was mm-hmm. I thought I was about to lose my buddy um, mm-hmm. As he was falling, and at the time we had only been together for a few months too, mm. like we we had just got back from school. I knew how amazing this dog was. Uh, he was fearless, obviously, because he just jumped off. Nice. I I say like when you talk to a handler, it's like we have Tourette's. We just we start yelling <laughs> oh, no, Dutch words every once in a while or German <laughs> words. So anyway, um, so he he's fallen through the air. And so much was going through my mind. And it really is like if you talk to people in certain moments, Mm -hmm. everything goes in slow motion, time stands still, and that's exactly what happened. I can remember all the things that I was thinking, Um, the horrors. I thought I had hurt my dog. He was going to die. I thought even if he doesn't die, he's going to be just traumatically affected from this mentally so that he's not going to be good at his work. Like all these things are going through. But the biggest thing was was this is my buddy and he's falling. Mm -hmm. And it was the hardest thing in the world. He actually landed on the guy
0: because there's absolutely nothing you can do at this point. Nothing,
1: nothing. And I'm sitting there debating with myself: Do I fling myself off? And I'm wearing forty pounds of gear just as a police officer, and I'm considering throwing myself off just so I can get down to to take care of my dog possible. But it's it was one that I'm like I I knew the height. Like Mm -hmm. it's one of those that I'm not exaggerating. It's thirty feet Mm high, and I knew. Every bone in my body is going to break sure. if I do this. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be dead, and I won't be able to take care of him anyway. So he actually, he landed, and he looked up on me, which made me feel good. And then I told him to lay down. So was, were
0: you just, like, looking over the wall to yeah, see what was going to gonna what happen?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, it felt like an eternity yeah. as he's falling. In reality, it's probably two seconds. Yeah. But oof, he hits the ground, and he looks at me because he's not on a bite command, so he didn't mm-hmm. just start annihilating the guy. He just looks up oh. at me. And so I tell him to lay down, and I tell the guy, if you move, my dog's going to bite you. He didn't move. It took us a few minutes to get down there, and I checked Mattis out because they were getting into a foot chase with another guy, and they were calling for for mm-hmm. Mattis to mm-hmm. come over and help there too. And so I checked him out structurally, and he wasn't showing any sensitivity. And so we go over to where the other guy's running. We actually catch up and pass all these other police officers in a foot pursuit. They see Mattis, and they give up, which mm. is perfect. But yeah. then Mattis just collapsed. Oh, my God. Um, he started bleeding internally and like he was pooping blood like it was not a pretty thing and it was just like you can put me into any situation where chaos is going on Mm -hmm. around me but when you did Mm. it to my dog I I mean I was just it was like panic yeah I like didn't know what to do they had everything under control at the scene and Mm -hmm. I said I got to get him to the vet I threw on lights and sirens and I I Mm -hmm. flew down to the emergency vet off of Mansell Road they couldn't, like, manipulate him, pick him up and stuff. They didn't have a vet tech that was bigger there, big enough mm-hmm. that could handle him, and so they asked me to come back, and we took him in for, I think it was an MRI because uh, they didn't see anything mm-hmm. on, on on the X-ray. And so we go in for the MRI, and I'm holding him there, and I remember the words of the vet. He says, we need to get him into in surgery right away, which are not yeah. words that you yeah. want to hear Is his handler mm-hmm. and his friend. He had a lacerated liver, and he was bleeding internally, and they weren't sure if he yeah. was going to make it or not. Um, the great thing was, was actually my department had put something out on social media and mm-hmm. there was tons of people just praying for him oh. and all this other stuff when the, this was happening. By the time the vet got him open, the blood had actually coagulated and he had stopped bleeding internally. So oh it was gosh. it was miraculous and they were able to stitch him back up. And wow. I so he didn't
0: have to have any repair
1: work? No repair work. It was basically they opened him up Saw that he was okay. They actually saw that there was a piece of a tennis ball in his <laughs> tummy because he had <laughs> torn it apart, and so they removed. They took that out, and they said, "You can't well, let him well, get into in tennis there. balls." I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's it is bad. Don't let your dogs eat tennis balls. Uh, so they stitched him back up, and but I was still worried. I wasn't sure if he was going to be able mm-hmm. to work again yeah. because, like I said, the healing process, mm-hmm. or more importantly, really mentally, it could affect him. Like he might be scared oh, yeah, of heights huh? and can't be scared of heights like he can't do this job and have certain fears so it was funny i took him to our vet that we use alfred animal hospital over there and they said we want to watch him for for just overnight because this Mm -hmm. was the emergency Mm -hmm. vet i took him i think after two days where i sat with him the whole time after two days i took him over to alfred animal hospital on the monday morning and they said leave him with us so we can watch him make sure that he's okay and so I left him in the morning about 10 o'clock at about 11 o'clock. They call me back up. This is, you got to come get him. He's going nuts without you. And he oh. so he's going to rip his stitches out. So oh. I had to drive back to the vet oh. and Cone it's of kind of shame. Funny. There's a, Yeah. There's a reunion <laughs> video of us. Like oh. we had literally only been apart for like one hour, but he just comes out and he was so happy to see me. And I was so happy to see him. And I knew that I was going <laughs> to be able to take him home. So that was a big moment. Uh, then the other big moment, mm. and I really haven't talked about this before, uh, other places was just when I got him back to work and I started testing him and saw that he was absolutely fine. He's still Uh, scared of nothing. And I knew that he was going to be able to continue at his work. And that made me really happy. Wow.
0: So how long did it take for him to heal
1: from One month. After all that, one month. And he was back on full duty. Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess I know the liver regenerates itself in people. Does it do that with dogs too? I,
1: I suppose it does. That's Apparently. amazing, <laughs> man. Because he's shown no indications of any kind of injury ever in his life.
0: That is just. Uh, and so, how does how does the Purple Heart thing come come about?
1: Well, and so from that, I, someone in the department nominated him for an award, and he ended up winning for his service because uh, he got injured in in an act of valor doing his duties, and so they figured. That even though it had never been done before, that that warranted a Purple Heart, our Mm -hmm. departmental Purple Heart. So they gave that to him. Uh, He actually, he and I, ended up winning Officer of the Year that year. Cool. um, And the Director's Award. So it's really a testament, really, to his bravery, though. Because, like I said, going back to it, I feel like I screwed up. Like, I didn't have him on leash. Um, I could have made better decisions. Like, it was one of those things that I feel like I screwed up. But Mm. he picks up my slack, which is what happens throughout our career a lot. So...
0: what That's what your partner does. Yeah, that's you know? what
1: he does. He makes me look a lot better than I am.
0: Oh, very cool. Okay, so let's switch gears and talk about America's Top Dog, yeah. which is the Ninja Warrior-style competition for police canines and their handlers now yes. on A&E Network. So was there an application process? Did you get an <laughs> invitation? How did, how did this all come about?
1: Well, it was actually... A lot of it was through my Instagram platform. Was they... Uh, someone else recommended me for the show because they were, they were taking applications and mm-hmm. looking for people to compete, which I didn't even know about. And then a friend of ours uh, through Instagram was interviewing to, to be on the show, and they said, you should really talk to Mark and Mattis. So they ended up calling me up and said, hey, is this something you'd be interested in? And I said, absolutely. Sure. And so we started doing Skype interviews, and they were talking to us and seeing if we'd be a good fit. Nice.
0: So, going in, were you, because I, I feel that you're probably a pretty competitive person.
1: <laughs> Isn't that obvious? <laughs>
0: Are you going in to win it, or is it really for the experience and, and again, more bridge building for?
1: I am extremely competitive. Uh, one of my friends said that he's that I'm the most competitive person he knows. That's when I, we were on SWAT, and there's a lot of competitive people on oh, SWAT. Yeah. So, I, Yeah. I'm extremely competitive, but with this, it was, I, and I think with a lot of the handlers that were on the show, they love and believe in their dogs so much Mm -hmm. that I really want to show off how amazing I think he is. And so it was an opportunity to do that. So Mm -hmm. I know I wanted to give my best because I know how amazing he is. So that was the, the approach that I took was let's give everything I have because he deserves it. And he did the same for me. Mm-hmm. and does every day that I go yeah. to work with him.
0: Yeah. So what was it like? Um, so you get selected for the show yeah. and you, um, you've you had the initial competition. Or is the whole thing done?
1: whole thing is finished. Oh. Yep.
0: So I'm not even going to ask you what the outcome is. Yeah, I, you can't. I can't. Well, I guess I you could, but I can't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's talk about, about your episode. Okay. And um, it just looked like y'all had so much fun.
1: Oh, it was a blast. It's kind of funny. Of they kind of show us like we get to see everyone else compete and mm-hmm. there's, I had no idea. Like I was actually, they, in my episode, they showed me going first. I actually was fourth mm-hmm. or f- fifth. So I was the last one to go in my round. So I didn't get to see anyone else compete. It was just, that's the way it fell. Yeah. So second round, I went last. Third round, this is out, so I can tell you, I went last as well. So I didn't get to see anyone else compete. And you, you're you not out there where you can actually see their their course run. Mm-hmm. You don't know times. You know nothing. And so it's really go out there, and I thought I had to give everything I had to, uh, which I would have done anyway. Sure. But I also knew we were shot. We were showed as episode four, but when we shot, we were episode 10. And there's 10 episodes in the regular season and then a finale. Mm-hmm. They already had people in for the finale to film the next day. And so I knew if I wanted to make the finale, it looked like they already had a full roster. So if I want to be in the finale, I better do something amazing. So that was kind of my approach to it is let's let's be amazing. Not saying whether I made the finale or not, but that's what my mm-hmm. my take was was let's go in there and do the absolute best that we can. Wow.
0: So did you so the first time you were on the course, that was the first time you had seen it, right? Correct. Or did they, they do you you, give you like a walkthrough?
1: They gave you kinda of like a PowerPoint that had some rough drawings of mm-hmm. their ideas, but it wasn't anything to spec. There's no there was no specifics at all. So you mm-hmm. just you kind of went in a little bit blind. Yeah.
0: Wow. And just the the faith of of your dog and the trust that Mattis was gonna do his yeah. thing.
1: Yeah. Well I and I knew that for instance, the the last thing in round one is splashdown, where you have to jump into a pool. And I knew that in certain situations he's fine with that, but he won't just jump into a pool. So ahead of time with the PowerPoint, they said, "Okay, this is the last part." We did a lot of training to make sure that he would he would like the water, and now he absolutely loves the water. He sees the, we actually did a, that was a couple such weeks a ago moment when y'all oh, when you. y'all hit the water. I was like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh!" Well, I knew too that. He's a lot more enthusiastic if I go in, too. Yeah. So that's kind of why we did that. <laughs> but uh, we just did a polar plunge uh-huh. a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. happened to be the only day that it snowed, snowed in the city of Alpharetta, like in two years, and it was coming down hard. <laughs> that was the day of our polar plunge. He just loves the water now. He just goes in it. It's cold. He doesn't care. Uh, so he loves the Mattis. water now. That's very cool.
0: Yeah. Okay, so does the course change
1: a little bit. They they always add a different element. It seems like my mm-hmm. episode, the third wall. When when they first showed it to us, it was a three, a four, and a five foot wall that we're gonna have to jump. Mm-hmm. So y- they give you like one run on the course, and we went out and did the one run on the course. And it, this is actually why Mattis slows down at the five foot wall is because he he had been jump 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 mm-hmm. and just flying over him, doing awesome on all the walls. And then we got to the last wall, and right before they're like, you know what, we're changing up the third wall. We're making it a Instead of jump over a five foot, you have to go under it, and I was like, ah. And so with a dog, like it's easy for me to adapt, but mm-hmm. for a dog, he's like, wait, we've jumped every time. So if you saw a little hesitation in him, that's why. But they, yeah, they try to they try to throw in a usually with the walls, they made something different. They'd mm-hmm. also, if you notice, if you pay close attention, the order of the cars in the front side, they always mix that up. Oh no,
0: I missed that. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was so fun to watch. And he is so beautiful on oh, camera. Thank
1: you. Yeah, he's a good looking dog. <laughs> he is
0: just. He's just, I mean, I just kept saying he is so magnificent. I mean, he's just really, really such a. And a lot of times, black dogs, you can't really see their beauty because they kind of. Right. You can't see him. But with him, you can. He's just so shiny and.
1: He is. Handsome. He is. Jeez. I didn't pick him because he's beautiful, but it doesn't hurt.
0: <laughs> so, in your words, how would you describe the competition, America's Top
1: Dog? A blast. I showed up and. I w- you're kind of, just as a police officer, you're skeptical about, skeptical about everything that you go into for the most part. And so I was like, oh, this is, you know, I wonder if they're going to, the yeah. obstacles are going to be good or whatever. I loved it. I absolutely loved every element that they had. I thought it, was, it really displayed the relationship between you and your dog. And I think that's what they were going for, Yeah, was more than anything else, not as he Mm -hmm. just good at his job, but what kind of bond do you have? Because that's what makes you successful as a police officer, is developing that bond. Mm -hmm. So I like the way that the course was set up, because there was was elements in there like fire escape, which is after the the car slalom, the fire escape where the ball is hanging down Mm -hmm. from a little ramp, and they have to grab the ball. That's never happened in our life, right? That we go up to an attic, and I have to have him open it up, or a fire escape, and he Mm -hmm. has to do it. But it does show how quick he can learn things, how good our communication is, mm-hmm. and what kind of drives he has. So I loved that element. It was so cool because he, if you saw he came in, he actually came in real hot and missed it the first time, but he knew exactly what I wanted him to do. Uh. And so it was cool. And I like that about the the course. Is it the first round? It's that relationship. The second round, you have to be able to read your dog really well. It's called the Boneyard. It's where mm-hmm. they have different mm-hmm. odors in our case, it happened to be narcotics in this 3000 square foot house that they built out of wood pallets in the middle of like this Canyon. So it's windy and crazy. Cameramen are running around all over the place. It's a picture they've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And it's a harder standard than we train to even as a, as a police standard, like national certifications and stuff. A lot of times if a dog alerts, I'll say it's in this area. Mm -hmm. They want the specific item that it's in. So Mm -hmm. like a lot of times you were like, Oh, why'd they pick that? Like, we're used to a proximity type alert and they're getting specific where they had to find this one item. And like I said, all these distractions and that was a great equalizer because it didn't matter how athletic you are. It matters how good is his nose and how good am I to be able to read him. So I like that once again, it's all about that relationship and bond. Mm -hmm. And then the third is just, man, can you, can you keep up with your dog? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I was trying.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, it's such a fun show to watch. So when is the finale?
1: I think that the finale is March 18th. March 18th.
0: Yeah. Okay, we'll definitely be be promoting that. And your episode, Yay. you can watch it on demand. It's on A&E, correct? Correct, episode four. Okay, up four. Very cool. So um, I, th- I think it's such a celebration of, of your craft. Yeah. You know, the craft um, of... of the sport of police canines because Mm -hmm. we don't you know where else do do civilians get to see these magnificent dogs in action so right
1: right and i one of the things too like you said i I, one of the greatest things it is a celebration and i hope too like i told you kind of our different approach is how i socialize this dog and i have him out all over the place but still He can be successful at all these Mm job-related elements. And so hopefully it shows other police officers, hey, this is something we can take advantage of. His dogs are a great tool to reach the community. People are interested. Mm. Have a dog that instead of, you know, can we pet him? My answer is absolutely. Absolutely. I would love for you, too.
0: One, he's quite the social media star now.
1: Yeah. Well, he's, (laughs) yeah. He is
0: cracks me up
1: well, thank I you. bet
0: I bet you you picked up a, a few followers with this show too
1: yeah we did we did
0: well and it's for great sure. for our city yeah it really is it's it's just so positive and so so many so many elements
1: well we like being that
0: mm Very good. So the word relevate, it's a real word. It means to uplift or inspire. So Sergeant Tappan, how would you, um, just in closing, what words of inspiration do you have for my listeners as it relates to kind of what you do and the bridges you were hoping to build to to make our world a better and safer place?
1: Yeah, well, I would say really uh, two things. And one, I tell my kids both, find something that you're passionate about. And then the second part of that is... Find something you're passionate about and that you love what you do, right? So you have that part of it. And then the second part of it is it's a verse that changed my mind or changed my my world really. It was uh, Colossians 3.23, and it says, everything you do, do it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not for men. Mm -hmm. And so, like I have these coins that I put in or I give out to like kids and stuff that I come in contact with, and it says, give all you got, then give more. Um, That's how I live my life is Mm -hmm. I I want at the end of the day – is I want to be a great reflection of Jesus in everything that I do. And it's the mundane, it's the it's the chaotic, it's the like the everyday stuff, the heroic stuff, whether it's washing dishes or setting up chairs mm-hmm. or it's rescuing people from a car wreck, whatever it is, or doing a TV show, whatever it is, is do it with everything that you have because people are always watching. You can always inspire someone. The way that you treat people, the way that you act, the way that you talk, it means something. Every single person that you come in contact with is an opportunity uh, to shine. Yeah. And so take advantage of that.
0: That's awesome. Great oh, words of you. advice. Well, we're going to be watching on March 18th and yeah. we're going to be pulling for your, your team. If because... I'm in it,
1: hopefully I'll make the finals. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, how could you not with that <laughs> amazing creature by your side? I hope so. Thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Best Best of luck to you.
1: Thank you so much. Sure.
0: Oh, can I get? Does Mattis can he say a few words? Yeah, Mattis loves
1: Oh, that's a good boy.
0: That's a good boy, Mattis. <laughs> Well, how fun was that? I encourage you to tune in and watch episode four to see Sergeant Tappan and Mattis in action and then watch all of the episodes. And don't miss that finale on March 18th. See the episode notes for links on more information about Tappan, Mattis, and America's top dog. I'm sure you probably know that God, spelled backward as dog, can't help but believe that dogs are indeed heaven sent their relentless devotion and love they have for their masters and their comforting presence, I think it's akin to the love God has for each and every one of us. The intelligence and physical capability of dogs and their ability to be trained at this highest level as seen on America's Top Dog is truly something to behold. I'm Rena Olson, and this is Relevate.